I was in a coma for six weeks while the doctors told my wife I was going to die. When I woke up, she told me the most fantastic story. My team kept running the business without me. Freelancers reached out to my team and said, we will do whatever it takes as long as Craig's in the hospital. I consider that the greatest accomplishment in my career. My name is Craig Andrews, and this is the Leaders and Legacies podcast, where we talk to leaders creating an impact beyond themselves. At the end of today's interview, I'll tell you how you can be the next leader featured on this show. Today, I want to welcome Bill McCormick. He is the founder of DigiSales, a digital selling training company, and he's soon to be an author of the book, All Selling is Social. And in reality, the book should be out now, but anybody that's written a book, you know how it goes. Final things, stay tuned. It's going to be a fascinating book. So anyway, Bill first started using digital sales techniques after he and his wife, Sue, started their own promotional product business. And by using social platforms, especially LinkedIn, they were able to build a successful business. Now, Bill helps other business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals leverage LinkedIn to increase sales. Uh, He's conducted training for companies worldwide and specializes in helping to make LinkedIn human, explaining the platform in easy to understand ways. Bill, welcome. Hey, Craig, thanks so much for having me. Uh, It's it's a joy to be here and uh, to talk with your listeners. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So you live in you live in upstate New York now. You you haven't always. Where where did you grow up? So not that far from upstate. I, I grew up in the Hudson Valley in Newburgh, New York. And uh, then uh, after my second marriage, my wife and I we moved up in the Catskills because I worked in Kingston, which was south of there, and uh, my wife worked in the capital of Albany, which was north of there. So Catskill was kind of the the middle ground. And in 2020, we moved to to be closer to our grandkids. We moved out to the beautiful Schoharie Valley, about 25 miles uh, west of of Albany. Wow. And and how long have you all been married? Uh, We've been married. It'll be 20 years, uh, April of 2024. So uh, it's, it's been quite a wild ride. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And now, what's, you know, real quick, I mean, where where did you start and where are you now? So I was, I was grew up in sales in my youth, in my 20s and 30s, wasn't very good at it back then. And so I took a break from that for a while. And I was actually in public service. I was a 911 dispatcher. And uh, my wife worked at a print and promotional products company. It was just her and her boss, two-person operation. She had started it in 2000. And in 2013, her boss died suddenly. And after a back and forth with, with her family, we finally dis- or his family, we finally decided to separate and start our own company. And um, that was really eye-opening. I had never worked, uh, worked for myself. And uh, we weren't sure how it was going to go. So I actually stayed working full time as a 911 dispatcher, but I had two days off during the week. So I would go out and sell. And we quickly learned that LinkedIn was a 
especially my wife, is where she could find her clients and reconnect with them. Because, you know, when you leave a company, you leave your email address, you know, people don't know how to contact you. LinkedIn became that place, kind of like the water cooler that people could come and find her. And that really opened our eyes to, hey, this is an opportunity, a place where we can find people. And so began to do that. And uh, lo and behold, people were interested as the business grew, they were interested in, in me helping them to leverage LinkedIn. And that led me to, to becoming a LinkedIn consultant. Yeah. So so let's go back. You, you were saying something about, was it 2013 when you, you and your wife started this business? It was. So we're, we're now 10 years. Uh, this past July, we've been in business for 10 years. Wow. And what what was the business? What is the business? So we do we do print and promotional products. So anything like branded apparel, like backdrops, uh, pens. You know, think any think swag. Think the stuff that companies give out as promotional products. We do that as well as printed letterhead envelopes, business cards, and and that kind of thing. Cool, and and so she went back to. I mean, how this all fold out why why did she go to linkedin i mean today it seems obvious to everybody that's where everybody is it's gotten a little you know a little shark infested waters on linkedin but it wasn't that yeah. way so much back then it, it it wasn't and and actually what happened was a few of her older clients had she she created a profile not really sure I think just because it was the thing to do, you know, back in that time frame, there are a lot of people that would would create a profile and they would download their whole contact list and you'd get an invitation in your email that that Craig Andrews joined LinkedIn and is inviting you to join. And so my wife did that and people were able to find her and she we'd actually so seven about 55 to 60 percent of her business and her clientele are in Bermuda. And so because she had done business with people down there and we scheduled a trip in August of 2013, we didn't like to use the phone. And so what my wife did is she went and found those people on LinkedIn and reached out to them and connected with them and said, hey, I'm going to be on island on this, these dates. Um, would you like to meet with me? And they were like, sure. And so we had five appointments in Bermuda the first time we went. And that's grown to, like I said, I mean, like 60% of her of her clients are down there. Um, and I've, it's been fortunate enough that I've been able to expand my LinkedIn training business down there. And so that's what really developed it. And then as I came on more of a full-time in sales, I began to really look for marketing people because that's who we sold to. We sold to basically marketing directors of VPs of marketing CMOs. Those folks use LinkedIn a lot. And so we were able to find them on LinkedIn, insert them into our sales process. And what we found was the way that we were selling was, you know, between 30 to 50% of the people that we reached out to were responding positively and we were able to convert them to, to clients. And so we started in July, 2013. In July, 2015, I left my full-time job. And came to work full time with her, so it was a it was a great success. Well, I would imagine that that was a little bit of a departure. I mean, because I would imagine all of your sales training up to that point would say, "Pick up the phone and start dialing, buddy." It 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 did, and I was never good at that, and didn't like to do that. And you know, and this was a, a major revelation that wait a minute, I don't have a sales manager to answer to. I'm the boss. I'm the boss of me and I can do things the way that I want to do them. And so 
We learned from some different people in that in that time. And what we did is is I would find you. So Craig, if you were the 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 chief marketing officer or the or the director of marketing for a, a major company, I'd find your information. If you were local to me, I would drive to your place of business and I would drop off a big bag of stuff, right? So a big bag of promotional stuff that was branded with our company's logo, but that could show you what we could do for you, right? So it was value. It was all value. And they, these were usable things. These were pens and notepads and some nice electronics, you know, something that was of higher value. And so I'd write a little handwritten note in there. Hey, Craig, I was in the area. Thought I'd drop off these these uh, samples for you to enjoy. I'll follow up in a day or two to ensure that you receive them. Thanks, Bill. That was it. A day or two, I'd email you back and say, hey, Craig, I dropped off uh, some, some stuff for you. I just want to confirm that you got it. If you came back and said, yes, I got it, great. I'm going to be back in your area on such and such a day. We work with many companies like yours in the area. 30 to 50% of the people would say, yeah, let's meet. Let's, let's do that. And in Bermuda, it was like 75% because- it's just a different culture down there. Yeah. Um, so so that that really switched up the way that we did things. I never had to cold call. We, you know, th- that was our quote unquote cold outreach, but we were doing it with value. So people didn't see it as, you know, that we were interrupting them. You know, they saw it as, wow, thanks a lot for this. Now, I, I've got a personal bias here and I'm just going to state it out there and, mm-hmm. you know, um, we're big boys. You feel free to attack my bias. Um, the uh, I I despise cold callers. Uh, it, not them individually. Uh, you know, I'm going to be very clear. It's it's not about the individual, but I I really hate the whole thing. I you know I one I have people um, doing cold outreach to me. It seems as the economy has gotten worse, it seems like the frequency has gone up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I have, I have either clients, I was talking to somebody Friday who um, he decided, you know, it was our initial conversation and he decided he didn't want to talk further. And I think it was because he was hoping that I would have some formula where we, we would get some appointment setter yeah, you know, to just kind of book the appointments for him. And all he'd have to do is tell him where to send the money. Everybody wants an easy button. Uh, you know, so let's take cold. Let's instead of talking about cold calling, you you said cold outreach, because there's many different facets of cold outreach. Now, besides there's the phone, there's email and there's LinkedIn DM, even Facebook. They're They're all predicated on scaling. I'm going to send out a thousand messages. And if I get replies on a hundred of them, that's pretty high, by the way, I might be able to convert 10 of them to, to, to clients. That can work if you're in a transactional relationship, if you're looking for a transactional relationship that I just want to have a transaction with you. The people that I work with and, and I want to develop a relationship with you, Craig, I want to have a relational relationship rather than a transactional, right? I want it that I want it built on trust and develop that. And so I'm not a fan of cold calling. I don't do it. Um, I'll get some. So my cell phone number is on my LinkedIn profile. You can find it. So I'm part of a number of calling banks. So I get calls a lot. I'll typically listen. Sometimes I'll talk back. Most of the time though, I don't answer the phone. Does cold calling work? 
It must because companies are still doing it, right? Does it work effectively? That's up to each individual each individual company to determine that and sales managers to determine that. There are still a number of highly respected sales trainers that I know that still teach it because it works. The phone still works. It but doesn't you, work for me. Well, you said something there. You said it's if you're looking for a transactional relationship. Right. right. All right. What's that mean? So what that means is I have a product and you're going to trade me dollars for it. And then that's it. And you're going to go your way and I'm going to go my way. And never the two shall meet again. It's not developing a relationship where maybe there's going to be repeat business or, or a an ongoing consulting relationship. It's just, I've got this, you know, I've got this pen and I'm going to reach out to you with the information. You're going to say, yes, I want 500 of them. I'm going to send you 500 of them. You're going to send me a check and I'm going to go on my way. And then if you need them again, you'll contact me, but, but, but that's it. That's the transaction where when we're developing relationships, that's when we're going deeper with people. That's when we're developing trust with people. That's when they see us not just as somebody they can get something from, but that there's a there's a two-way street that's happening. And that's the relational side of things. So I do a heavy amount of consulting with people. I look at LinkedIn profiles. I give feedback on that. I give feedback on outreach strategies. That's That takes a level of, of relationship that has to build because I have to know you and get to know you better. But what I understand is that when I'm consulting with salespeople, my way might not be the best way, right? I had a meeting last week with a mortgage company who is killing it on Facebook and Instagram. LinkedIn is, it doesn't work for them. They don't need it. And so I said, keep doing what you're doing. Keep this idea of LinkedIn open for you that that could be an opportunity in the future if things slow down the other ways, but do what works for you right now. And that's what I say to anyone out there that's listening, that's in sales. If you're a small business owner, entrepreneur, you have something that's working for you right now, whether it's cold outreach, it may be cold calling, it may be email, it may be inbound, maybe your website, whatever that is. Keep doing that, but keep your, your mind open to these other ideas. And that's the reason I wrote the book is that we have to keep an open mind to other ways that that could help us in the future. Because when we get involved in these, and I call them echo chambers, right? These systems of belief or systems of training that we're only focused on one way. And it becomes an echo chamber when we're so focused on it in one way that we don't listen to anything from outside. You know, and we see this a lot, even in the political culture right now in the United States. You know, you have people that are on one side of the aisle and all the news media they listen to reinforces that. All the books they read reinforce that. And so they think this is the only way. And I used to be that way when it came to LinkedIn training. I used to think this is the only way. Social selling, it's called. But for lack of a better term for B2B people, it's we're talking about LinkedIn. And I would think this is the only way. Then I would get clients on the phone and we talk and they tell me, listen, we've got this great phone outreach we're doing and we're killing it. And I'd be like, okay, so I'm wrong. So I have to open up and expand my, my, my point of view to realize that there are other ways to do it. So I don't do cold calling, but I do pick up the phone. You know, if I've got somebody that's not responding to an email, I'm really quick to just pick up the phone and call them because you know what? People answer the phone. So- 
So the idea is what we have to do is expand our thinking and understand that the way we're doing things may be working right now, but what if it doesn't work next week or or next month? You know, if we go back to to, um, December, 2019, January, February, 2020, if people were cold callers or what we call door pullers, right? So people that go and call on retail establishments, they pull the door open, they walk in, they talk to people. That's just an in-person form of cold calling. That worked really well for them. And I would talk to them and like, listen, LinkedIn doesn't work. This is what we do. We call, we go visit people. Great. Fast forward to April, May of 2020. Suddenly nobody's answering the phone and the doors are locked. Now, suddenly they had to switch their their point of view and say, okay, wait a minute, maybe we need to use LinkedIn. Maybe we need to use another form of outreach. And so what I would encourage everybody to do is look at what's working, but then look at what are some other ways that you can start experimenting with because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Yeah. You know, I, I remember March of 2020 and wishing that I had bought a uh, storage unit full of webcams. Because, yeah, there was there was a period two, three, four weeks where you couldn't buy a webcam on Amazon. And if you could, they were hundreds of dollars. Yeah, I, I remember talking to a client who had just in January had just invested in Zoom. Like, yeah. and, and, you know, you talk about the, the right timing. And I was I was happy that at the time. I had used Zoom before, you know, I, I used to say we we did we we use Zoom for Zoom was cool because, you know, we, we kind of have a learning curve on on everyone else. But yeah, I mean, this wasn't this really wasn't the norm prior to 2020. You know, you either called somebody on the phone or you went and visited them. I used video a bit in 2017-18, but very, very sparsely. You know, not a lot. Now it's the you know this is the this is the common thing. You know, you're in Texas, I'm in New York, and we're we're having this conversation. Um, you know, when I get off this call, I'm ha- I have a, a sales call with a company in Bermuda that never happened before. You know, so so we really had to change our thinking. And you know, I, I'm taking part this this coming week in a video prospecting summit. There was no such thing as video prospecting prior to 2020. You know, so so we've we've changed things, you know, we've changed our thinking, we've changed our mindset. We have to keep that, we have to keep that going because we don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. Well, think about this. Back when you first started your your business with your wife, there was no Zoom, or if there was, nobody knew what it was. Uh back then it was what go to meeting, go to webinar, uh I, what were the I mean, those platforms were just absolutely dominant. And I used to ridicule, back at the time, I used to ridicule Microsoft saying, why don't they own this market? They own 70% of the operating systems out there. Mm -hmm. I see Mm -hmm. them kind of piddling around. And I don't know what's happened to those, those platforms. Those were the dominant platforms. And Zoom came in and changed the game to where they're now irrelevant. Right. Right. And, 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 and that's what happens, you know, you go all the way back to, you know, Blockbuster, Netflix, you know, and, and now CDs are, you know, I was watching, my wife and I were watching a show and the big thing was they were putting CDs 
uh, into into a CD-ROM on a computer to watch a video. And like that was high tech. And now it's like, I just click on a site. Yeah. You know, my my TV is is smarter than my my first laptop was, you know, and that's really the bottom line here is that things change and we evolve and it happens faster and faster as we get older and older. And so we have to be ready and exam. We really have to examine what are our preconceived notions? What are the things that we are kind of like, this is the only, this is the way it should be. I, I say, you know, it's a sign of, of, of an echo chamber. If you say always or never, you know, if you say you always have to do it this way, you should never do it that way. Um, you know, you should do this. You could do, we have to really break out of those and start saying, okay, how can I be more open-minded so that I can start looking at different ways of doing things? Because, you know, there's new ways all the time. I mean, AI, I'm, I'm, I show my age when people start talking about chat GPT and, and AI, and I recognize that it could be a really valuable tool. I'm just really leery of it. And because I want to be authentic, I don't want a robot to write for me. I I want to I want people to hear from me and hear from Bill. And so I realize that's a bias, right? So so that's kind of a an echo chamber I'm in of the anti-automation um arena and I realize I have to break out of that. And so what I'm doing is I'm using it a little bit more and trying it a little bit more. And that's how we put away those, you know, those cognitive biases where where we think that that's never going to work. You know, there were people that thought that about social selling and LinkedIn back prior to 2020. In fact, I remember a podcast I listened to of four or five of the top sales trainers. And if I said their names, everybody go, oh, yeah, OK, I, I, I know them. And they did this whole podcast on how LinkedIn was ruining, ruining it and the way people were using it. And it didn't work. And I can remember getting a little ticked off about that. And then yet a year later. All of those same people had LinkedIn training on their on their platform because because they had to because of the of the pandemic. Now, what I saw was that's an was evidence that they expanded their thinking. And, yeah. and that's really what we have to do. We have to expand our thinking because what's working now may not work forever. And so we have to be ready for that. Well, and I think one of the things you bring up AI. I think one of the things that's really critical is you have to understand the why. You have to be able to go in and, and understand the why. And I've seen people, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, um, not just people, but HubSpot, one of the leading marketing platforms out there, has integrated AI into their platform, basically saying, hey, do you want us to write your blogs for you? And, and, um, and I've sat in presentations where people have shown how they've scaled massive traffic using uh, AI written blogs. And the thing that I was thinking about the whole time was, I was like, Google has always been very clear about what they want and what they're going to rank. And understanding what AI would generate and understanding what Google was looking for, I was like, I don't think this is what Google wants. It's not original content. It's not original thinking. And, and then sure enough, uh, in around August, September of 2023, all of a sudden, all these people that built massive traffic on AI written blogs, they started seeing 80% of their traffic disappear overnight. 
Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, so I deal with salespeople and salespeople are always looking for an easy button. They want it to be fast because they're busy. And, you know, when it comes to LinkedIn, and it comes to posting content on LinkedIn, the two biggest complaints I get with every, every company I work with, I don't know what to post and I, and, and, and I don't have time to post. Those are the two things. And so suddenly this chat GP comes in where I just put a couple of things and it writes a post for me and I can throw it out there. And now there's, and now there's all kinds of, things that you can do with automation on, on LinkedIn, which a lot of it violates LinkedIn's terms of use and get your profile shut down, but that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. But what happens is people, these salespeople don't realize that actually AI makes it, makes the process take longer because you can use AI to help you write a post, but then you have to fact check everything. Because yeah. if you're using generative AI, that's, you know, it's pulling, I, the last figure I heard was it's, that the that ChatGP was was up to date with Google up to like September of 2021. So, you know, if you're in a highly changing industry, you could be giving false information. And, and so you have to you have to fact check everything. And so that actually makes it take longer to write a post with 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 uh with automation and AI rather than just listen, what are the challenges my clients are have? You know, if, if you're in sales and you want to know easy content to write, look at your emails from your clients of the problems they have. What is it that they struggle with on a regular basis? That's content. That's great stuff to put out there because if your one client has that problem, probably other clients have that that problem. And that's a great place to pull in AI. Great AI is an amazing summarizer. If yeah. you can give it volumes of emails or uh, content and say, what are the three essential points or what are the mm -hmm. AI is phenomenally good for that. So it's not, yeah. you know, there is a place for AI. I think it's just understanding where it is. Definitely. Definitely. Well, hey, let's, you know, and, and wow, this has been so good. We're, we're running a little bit longer than normal. Let's, uh, let's focus. Let's spend a couple minutes talking about echo chambers and how it applies to all selling is social. So, you know, that's, I, I came to this realization that I was in this echo chamber of, 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 of social selling and that's the only way. And it made me realize that that was an echo chamber and I had to break out of it. And, and consequently, at the same time, I was dealing with some echo chambers, chambers in my personal life. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a white guy, as everyone can see. And, and at that time, the racial tensions in our country were really skyrocketing. And I had to really stop and look at myself and realize that the media I was part of, um, the, the spiritual sources that I was pulling from were mainly white evangelical. And, I, and they had a very narrow point of view. And there were some echo chambers there. And I had to break out of those. I began to talk to people that didn't look like me or believe like me. I began to read books about those subjects, about unentitlement and the fact that I was an entitled male, white male. And that really opened my eyes. And I was able to break away from those echo chambers in my personal life, my spiritual life, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my ethnic background life. And I think that helped me as I looked at my business life to see that, yeah, you know what? LinkedIn isn't the only way. Social selling isn't the only way. That's an echo chamber. And then I began to look because what, you know, social selling, what does that mean? And there's so many different definitions. And I came up, wait a minute, there's a social element to every sales methodology that's out there. Yeah. You know what? All selling is social. And that's where the book title came from. 
And so what I do in the book is I break down, um, you know, what the problem with sales is today. I've got a great two chapter interview with Todd Capone. Um, and, and he's the, uh, he has the uh, sales history podcast and uh, wrote a couple of great books on, on being a, a, a um, transparent seller and a transparent sales leader. And he really got into the problem with trust in sales. And then we break down the communication cycle, how we communicate with people, as well as echo chambers. And then what I do is I break down all the sales methodologies and talk about what are the social aspects to all of them. Because there are, you know, there. when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, my parents would talk about certain people and say that they were antisocial, you know, and that meant that they didn't do well with other people. And I think as salespeople, sometimes we can be antisocial in how we act. And, you know, you talked about some of the problems with LinkedIn today, you know, uh, people reaching out right away and, and pitching us. And people saying basically not lying, but not being truthfully like, Craig, love the stuff I see you're doing with XYZ company. And they haven't even looked at your profile, you know, that those kind of things. That's not being social. And so what I do in the book is I talk about the different social aspects of copy marketing, you know, an email, uh, the phone, video, in-person meetings, LinkedIn, and social selling. You know, what are the social aspects? Because we tend to treat people differently when they're across a screen or across a keyboard than we would if they're sitting across a table from us. And we have to realize that, that we need to treat them the same way no matter what. We have to treat them the same way in the digital space as we do in the, in the face-to-face. And, you know, understanding that echo chamber really helped me come to that point to see that I don't have all the answers. Um, in fact, in the book, because I, I'm not a big one using the phone, I'm not a big one with using email. Um, I use video, but not that well. I've got some experts that actually are writing small snippets for the book that say, okay, with the phone, here's some things you should focus on. And so I, I think it really kind of brings it all together for people to, to really allow them to look at their life and say, okay, and it's their sales life and look and say, okay, how am I, how am I being social or antisocial in how I'm reaching out to clients and interacting and engaging with them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's incredibly awesome. And I, you know, the thing I really appreciate is your heart um, about being personal and and connections, a, the, you know, the clarity on there's, yes, we all want an easy button. I want an easy button too. There is. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, Bill, this has just been so valuable. How can people reach you? So they can go to my website, allsellingassocial.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there. You can get updates on the book and its release. And then also find me on LinkedIn, um, Bill McCormick. There's several of them, but you'll know me when you when you see me and find me. If you put in Bill McCormick, DigiSales or Bill McCormick, All Selling the Social, I come up. Do me a favor, send a personal note. Tell me that, tell tell everyone that you heard me here on Craig's podcast and I'll be sure to, to uh, reply and accept your connection request. That's awesome. Bill, thank you very much for being on Leaders and Legacies. Thanks so much, Craig. Great talking with you. Thanks everyone for listening. This is Craig Andrews. I want to thank you for listening to the Leaders and Legacies podcast. We're looking for leaders to share how they're making an impact beyond themselves. If that's you, please go to alliesforme.com slash guest and sign up there. 
If you got something out of this interview, we would love you to share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show, including the hashtag Leaders and Legacies. I love seeing your posts and suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss anything, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. And it means a lot to me. It means a lot to my team. If you want to know more, please go to alliesforme.com uh, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.